<laughs> it is lovely to have you live live we are not pre-recorded we are absolutely live on i mean i don't know i don't know if you could uh, are you able to look at your phone and check because i don't know this is first time live for me um, and we could check on our instagram uh, not instagram is it facebook it should yeah, be on my yeah. Facebook page and it should be on Standing on the Truth. I think it's on, um, should be on. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. it should be also on our YouTube page. Yeah. John is checking now. and. <laughs> so, hey, welcome to everyone in Cyberworld. Valerie M here, who's now got her own podcast show, and she's joined by DJ Trinity today. Whoop, whoop. Oh, where's my noise? Thank you for having me. I'm so, so proud of everything you're doing here, Val. I think it's, I just think it's incredible, and you're so brave for doing this. I mean, I know. I, honestly, I don't know how you've got me to do this. I, 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 I don't know. You have broken my online virginity and I am... Breathe. Yeah. I'm okay. And, do you remember? Breathe. And it's breathe. <laughs> I, I look, I, I, I'm going to start with one of the, how I know you. Let's, I'm going to flip the script to how we spoke about it yesterday. And it was, I've known you for a while, but you know, it's like more of a cyber world meeting once or twice. You took the massive journey. And when you, when people hear your story, which I'm not going to say anything yet, but to know that you took that massive journey after meeting me once or twice, we stayed in touch and you came down for my birthday party, 2016. We had the most, yeah. I was so stressed out that night, but I, you did that. You you made that effort under oh, considerable strain. I was so scared, but your family are amazing. <laughs> your your best friend is just a wonderful. But your cousin and your mum and your auntie, I've never been looked after so much. I think in my life. Yeah, that, um, it's nothing but love in my family. To be fair, my friends, my collection of friends are very loving. They are really, really loving. They were so kind to me, and I loved it. You, you were fantastic. Thank you, know. you thank you. Gorgeous as ever. <laughs> I don't know about that. Did you see me earlier? Um, the thing what I'm trying to say though is this: when I met you, it was fleeting. I was doing a gig. We were in this mansion, and um, it was just a random, random conversation we're in the middle of a uh, i've come down from my dressing room i've come into the, the 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 kitchen bar area and there you were having a good old chip with you know we end up having a good old chat and in between that that talk um, where i thought you were pouring drinks when it turns out you don't drink but i thought you were having a drink i was having a my shoulder what was it my shoulder had been had a had a bad back didn't i shoulder you had a crick neck and that's shoulder, it and that's I was, right I just I turned into Mother Hen of like, oh my God, how can she perform like this? Here you go, have this, try this, I have cream, I have this tablet, would you like this? <laughs> but the thing is, you had all this stuff in your bag and I literally was looking at you and going, what the hell is she, what's she walking around with so much drugs? What, what, who walks around with all that stuff? But yeah. in the midst of me passing a, you know, a literally a throwaway comment, which was, 
Do you know what I mean? Um, I remember you said, if I seem to be wobbling or falling over, don't worry, I've had an injury. And I remember saying, no, maybe because you've had too much to drink. And you actually don't drink. And that's you when thought, you kind of... I bet you thought at that moment, yo, what is this crazy girl up to? You know, right. what's well, I did, I, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think you were crazy. But <laughs> I just thought, oh, you know, because as I, you know, I do not speak to anyone. When, when I do a gig... I don't speak to anyone for the first, literally, at least an hour before the show or yeah. two hours. As it got to about, you know, freestylers now and again, I may do it, but I have a ritual which I just don't do. So for me to have come down and then, in, you know, sort of engaged, yeah. it was, there was a reason. There was just a reason. And what you said to me was, I have a spinal injury. I broke my back. And I, I just remember you saying that. That stuck with me. Yeah. That, that stuck was, with me all the years. That was probably the easiest way for me back then to explain anything was to say, I've got a, I've got a broken back. I've got a bad back. Mm. But I never... I never went into it any more than that, which obviously there is a way lot more to it than just that, um, which you, lady, are now going to uh, worm your way. Well, I'll tell you me. what, let's start with, let's get to know, before we get into that, introduce yourself. Okay. DJ Trinity. Hi, uh, my name's Kez. I'm a... <clears throat> originally from the mountains of mid wales i grew up in a quite large family i have a huge extended family i'm welsh and proud i'm a celt um and i grew up in doing enjoying nature uh riding motocross bikes um my mountain bike all over the mountains um i was in cadets for oh, four years, um, I was part of the uh, Welsh rifle team, um, which you know that was a long time ago. But it's kind of it was it was it was skills that you have for mountain areas. So I then moved to uni to South Wales. Um, I ended up doing different courses. Uh, two different HNDs. Um, in what subjects? In what subjects did, were they? So I did multimedia computing, and then I moved to sound engineering. Ah, interesting. Interesting. Because while I'd started uni, I had already been in the rave scene, and while I was in the rave scene, I used to. I the first thing I learned was MCing, but. I used to hide behind the speaker stacks so nobody knew it was me. Are you real? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. hold on. Let's, okay, let's scoot on. Hold on a second. So when did you actually start putting on events? Was that at uni? Uh, yeah. So I was, it was probably year 2000. Um, I would have been about 20. Um, at the same time as uni, I was also working in a bar um and uh running <laughs> running a dance event in south wales and then from that point i got picked up by other promotions to play for them 
and ended up DJing all over the UK. In your in your capacity as an event, so I mean, we will. I know that you're a DJ. We'll come on to that. But in your capacity of being an event promoter, what sort of people was were you booking and and bringing into these different venues? I mean, Wales has got a, a, a big nightlife, but the, it's little pods of areas, isn't it? Yes. So it's it's I, I've gigged there a few times, so I know. But what sort yeah. of music, were, you know, class of events were you putting on? Okay, so when I was involved in the rave scene, obviously that was all underground, mountains, forestries, quarries, that kind of thing. And it was a, a bit of a free-for-all of different crews getting together. Yeah, but this is how I learned. I was taught how to lug stuff up mountains, climb trees and put lasers up there. Wow. Now, but then when it came to actually me putting events on, because it was then within a venue this then became me hiring oh all sorts of different djs i had people like gareth cortez good wow. friend of mine wow girl. yeah um, obviously i then started playing for bionic um with ian hollyman sorry callie um and callie and juice and uh brian m and mcbun um so i played with those guys quite a bit um all around south wales south wales then, yeah did you get um, to play outside of south wales where did you so you oh, yeah, you played everywhere uh, i know that you have i just want people to get a, a brief history of you're not just a you know in a little subdivision district yeah. you are no, out I there then, i then did tribe of frog in bristol i did i've played uh warehouses in london i obviously warmed up for you guys yeah was, yeah yeah the freestylers uh thank you robin wheelins kazmash rest rest her, rest her soul in peace lady. yes but those guys set me up to warm up for you guys at the mansion where i met you they're great guys well no matter, even though kaz has passed great yeah. lady and oh, it's funny was... because we were supposed to do a gig with her and she died before she could put it on for her birthday yeah. well as i was as robin had come and picked up my record box obviously i'd seen the record box move and i was up and there was kaz running behind me while i was trying to chase robin i'm like where are we going what's going on what's happening and she's there with a knee in my back strapping up this yeah my giant it's even got it's beautiful it's handmade it's a giant spinal corset uh yeah so kaz was running behind me strapping this up and they threw me on the main stage before you guys what? oh my god i didn't know that yeah so i saw half of you guys actually down in front of me and I played after Ramjack. Now, I'm usually one that I warm up for the main headliners. Right, no, yeah. I don't, I don't, I should have been before Ramjack, you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I was, I was, I, it blew me away that they knew not to give me a chance to, to panic or know what was going on. But so it was. That was, that, that, that we're going to come what, again, We'll come to why you wear you wore that and why you still wear that. 
So now you're event, you know, you're you do, doing events, you're gigging in between. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, sorry. <laughs> I really thought you were going to strip then. <laughs> it's 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 that I'm hob I'm kind of like lifting myself, but it's, it's, it's the sexy day corset, darling. <laughs> Listen, I don't want people to think that we are. Um... Okay, stop now, Carl. Right, okay. So, um, you threw so, me off yeah, track. I okay, did. let me I just get back on track. So, yeah, no, so, you know, you've done that, you've been gigging. So, here we are, things are going on great. You've got no problems with mental health. You are on fire. You haven't, you've got promotions going left, right, and center. You're also DJing, and things are building. Then one day, what happened? Oh, one day I was doing my normal weekly swim. Uh, I was a bit of a water baby. I could swim like a fish. And I had an injury in a swimming pool. Um, I was persuaded to go down a silly little slide and I hit the bottom with my bum. My legs went up in the air and what had happened was I had actually crushed down and two discs came, instead of going sideways, they went backwards into my spinal canal and they squashed 97% and filled 97% of the spinal cavity. So where your spinal cord comes down inside your bones, the cords, spread out like a horse's tail yeah corda equina syndrome yeah so some of those nerves got cut through completely which i don't have anymore and they never regrew and some of them were just squished and damaged what that meant for me was that life changed completely i lost the use of over time and, and testing like a rablat pin no i get that but to, I, I want you to go from uh, i shouldn't well, i'm going to ask the question when you had that injury which you didn't know you had that at the time you drove home didn't you yeah i did unfortunately <laughs> being an ex-health and safety officer don't have a go at me that job sent me crazy like <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't judge me for it, please. Um, but there was no female uh, first aider on. So I actually had no clue that I was, that I drowned. Not, a, not, my brain had blocked it. Blocked it out. Blocked it out. Oh um, my God. So... Obviously, over over that time, I then, I I was sorry from the from the pool when they were telling me we can't we can't do a report. There's no female first aider. They basically, I I I just, I think my my own shock took over, and I got to the dressing room with my friend's daughter who had taken swimming. Yeah, and we got dressed. She helped me. I was in absolute agony. And because I only lived about three miles from the pool, and obviously it was all 30 mile an hour zones anyway, being in the city, I drove back to the house. Um, I went to the doctors the next day, 
and I was just given painkillers and basically slept on the floor in the living room for about two weeks. Thinking that, oh, you know, it's just a normal backache, oh, it's oh, going to pass, yeah. that's just how it is, yeah. and now you're becoming a zombie. Yeah. Basically, uh, it took eight months for me to have my first physio appointment. My physio took one look at me and said, oh my God, I'm not touching you. You have two slip discs. I'm calling an ambulance right now. Eight months before yeah. the, we're not in, that wasn't even in COVID. That, that was normal times. That Eight was, months. it happened in 2007. But it still took eight months from the time you've went to your GP to say, yeah. I've had this accident, my back is now out of shape, and they yeah. fed you with pills in the meantime. Yeah. How yeah. was that effect on you up until that point? What was the effect on you? It was... It was quite bloody hard because nobody believed me. Nobody, because everybody was telling me there's nothing wrong with you. Obviously, when a doctor tells you that, you believe them. Uh, so of course, of course. I carried on. I carried on cooking. I carried on doing washing and getting washing baskets out. But I was kind of like sliding things across the floor. You know, or getting up and down the stairs on my bum. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get it in and out of the bath, so it was showers only. Uh, yeah. And then uh, my back was so bad that I decided... And uh, the thing was, was that I got attempted mugged twice while I was on my crutches. What? Yeah. So we moved. We moved out to the countryside. While you were on crutches, you you got attacked as well. Attempted. Attempted. Twice. Yeah. yeah. But and come breathe. On. And they, breathe. They, this no, is, well, this is your truth. This is your truth. I'm not saying I, a word. To be honest, Val, at that point in time, I was so fearless that <laughs> I took the knife off them and put it down the drain. Sorry. I had my crutches. I'm just doing this. Let's just, let's just, let's just pump up those. Do you I know just, what I, mean? I just, thought, I think what was going through my head at the time was, dude, I am in more pain than you can imagine. If you think that pulling that knife on me is going to make any, give it, me, give you anything, you are sorely mistaken. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was like, try me. Hello, try yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, so you moved because of that. You're now on yep. crutches and then you see the specialist. The specialist then tells you that, what did this specialist say? I'm not touching you. Where did this specialist send you? Okay, so the physio then sent me to have the x-ray. This was while we were still in the city in Cardiff. <clears throat> um, and I found that I had two slip discs. So I'd seen the osteosurgeon while living in Cardiff, but it explained that we were moving to a bigger house, flatter, would make life easier for me. He said, that's fine as long as you can come back for surgery. I went back for surgery 
and it didn't go so well. In what uh, way? What was what, my, what what was what happened? Well, first of all, my surgery was in two thousand and nine. That's eighteen months after my after my injury. That means everything had fused together. That means they had to cut through sinew, bone, and chi oh. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, I've actually watched my surgery. Ah, stop it! Yeah, you're too gruesome. Um, but unfortunately, it didn't go well. Um, I was left still in a, a serious amount of pain and some very strange symptoms that I kept trying to explain to people and they just weren't listening to me. So in the end, in 2011, I paid to go to Harley Street, the London Spine Clinic, to see Mr. Dan Plev, who is the most awesome, lovely, highest neurosurgeon in the country. He even shared his panini with me and even kicked my boyfriend at the time out of the room because he was a little bit controlling and trying to take over questions when obviously it was about at you at me so he did full testing he looked at all of the MRIs he looked at absolutely everything I even had pins electrodes put in my legs again and these is this is all after the original operation that you had under the NHS. Yes. So this doctor just said, my obligation to you is this. Yes, you've had two slip discs. Yes, you've had this incident. Here's a bag of pills. I'm going to do what I'm obligated to do, which is to go in, do, do something to make you feel. But then at the end of the day, he then turns around and tells you that, I'm sorry, I've done enough for you. I, you can't, you, you'll never yeah, be the no, same ever again. You've got it exactly right. His, that um, is ridiculous. Me. He, um, his exact words to me were, I've fixed your discs. I've fixed your spine. I don't know what else I can do for you. Oh, my God. He said, I'm very sorry, but you're probably never likely going to walk again. My response to him, because I was so angry, was excuse my language and I won't say it fully, but don't ever tell a little Welsh girl that she's never going to do something. You effing well watch me. And it's taken a long time. And, you know, I've got my trusty wheelchair. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's the things that you do. You just, you sort of go like, oh, the things are, oh here's my wheelchair. Yeah. Which Where's the wheel? walking stick? Where's the walking stick? I'm told, oh, yeah. I've been told you've got the... <laughs> She customised her walking stick. It's, it's even UV and reflective. When, I, when I'm in a club, the they know stick. I'm in a club because they get out my way. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You've got the customised walking stick. What else have I'm, you customised? We should be laughing. At least we can laugh at this point. Do you know what I'm saying? You, After you going to the Harley Street, you were left with a bag of pills. Oh, 
a bag of news that I wasn't really expecting. Uh, two weeks later, I had this whoa, massive pages, pages, pages of report from Mr. Dan Plev and explained that I had quadriquina syndrome and that can my you, nerves were crushed. Can, can you explain what that is? Okay, so where I'd said that those, those nerve endings had got squished or cut through, what it means is that you are then left with, imagine, the way I can explain it to people is, what I lost through those nerves was, huh, breathe, 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 remember what I said, I breathe. have lost function of bowel, bladder, lower intestine, kidneys aren't great, immune system is not great, and also I cannot feel my left leg down, from my knee down. So I have to wear, I have to wear corsets, I have to wear this carbon fiber foot leg thing that goes over my leg because well there's no point chopping it off it's still there <laughs> um i can't I, laugh at that it's just like I horrendous use, i have to use equipment to uh use the toilet and oh my darling don't i have such wonderful complexion for a 40 year old oh you oh. certainly do oh my 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 so, okay, here's the truth. I basically have to uh, use a pump that gives me a colonic every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Laugh. Do it. Laugh. We call it pumpsy. <laughs> when you sent the message to me and said, I'm going to have to do a pumpsy, I kept thinking, what song's that? So I... I oh, <laughs> Don't show me! Don't... Sh <laughs> I wasn't kidding! Whoa! Here's my truth! You wanted my I truth! I did, I did. Uh, I, I think I've lost so hard. I've, I've got tears at the same time. Oh my God. <laughs> so this, you have to use... You have to have a... Uh, 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 you have to have a colonic irrigation pretty much <laughs> every day. This your yeah. pumsy because yeah. of everything that's happened to you. They say in a Jamaican way. They say um, I'm going to say it in Jamaican. They say you take bad things and make joke, meaning yeah. that you take bad things and you joke about it because yeah. that is just our coping mechanism. Do you know, so, I, I actually know quite a few Jamaicans. Oh, right. So you understood what I was I saying. I understand that completely. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, yeah. you know, it, it's the fact that I know for a fact that it's it was hard up until even about two weeks ago to even discuss all of this. So, you know, before you know, whilst I want to say it halfway through, I still commend you for standing in your truth because people don't get it they only see the outside they don't see what's going on on the inside they don't, so, they don't nobody sees anything but i think i finally realized that that's actually my fault i i 
refused to show anybody. I refused. I moved so that people didn't know. I think we're um, all guilty of that. I didn't tell my family for a long time and I didn't ask for help. I didn't, I refused. I was, I felt like once I'd had that report off of Mr. Plev that I was a burden for the rest of my life. How did your, um, what was your relationship like? I, at the time I was not in a loving, caring relationship. It was easier for that person to just kind of leave me on the sofa and keep feeding me my medications and but when I saw Mr. Plev obviously he then in the report had he had sent all these guidelines and recommendations and everything which I'd never heard before I'd never this was all new to me so for the first time I was I kind of had a little bit of of hope of like if I do all of this if I manage every step that he is saying in the guidelines, can I get somewhere in life? Can I? So I think something just sparked in me that just said, right, I'm taking this back. I'm taking my life back. I'm no longer, I, I refuse to be a dribbling mess from medications just handed out to you over the counter from the, from the doctors. One of my doctors actually had to Google my condition while I was there. Because they didn't understand it. It was new to them. So yeah. this is what was happening to you. Yeah. you. So you took back control. And that oh, meant you that. literally stopped the drugs and also ended that relationship, with, which was an added pressure onto yeah. who you were. Yeah. So it you was crazy. Um before the when accident, he left, when he then left, I became alone, disabled, in a quite a big house. Um, so, in all honesty, what I decided to do was the house was falling down, and I thought, well, so am I. So, if I do physio, and I had some amazing physiotherapists. And obviously I had to learn to walk again. I was on the monkey bars, everything else. But when I had started to maneuver a bit more, I decided, well, the house can help me train and I'll help it. So I renovated a 150 year old ex-vicarage. Whilst with a girdle, with a wheelchair and with um, a with a, a Zimmer frame, as we want to call it, all of this, you inspired your own self through the peer group. Because remember, you're you're part of a, a peer group of people who have that syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Um, the question I yeah. want to ask you is this. I'm an advocate for the awareness of spinal cord injuries. Um, I'm part of the group that is the Cordroquina um, help group. And because I've had it since I was 27, I can, there are people that are, and I, I, I feel for them because there are some now that are literally, they've just had their surgery four months ago, or maybe they've just found out in the past few days and they are so scared, they don't know. And you know, the amount of people that have these disabilities that their partners just, 
walk away from them. Good Lord. Leave them. Just the same as what happened with me. Right. Um, But, you know, could you understand why they do, do? Do you understand why they do that? Do you understand, I'm asking, you know, I'm, I can give a synopsis, but do you understand why the partner gives up? Because the two I, things that springs to mind is, I don't know how to cope with this. What do I do? And I, yeah. I, I genuinely believe that people who have, um, it's the same with cancer patients or people with any form of disability, when someone has to care for them, when your personal loved one has to care for them it is difficult there is no actual support for the supporter yeah does that make sense there's care groups i guess for carers like obviously at the time my my partner had to become partly my carer um but at that time we didn't know and i hadn't been cared for to be able to go to physiotherapy, to go to my new clinics for my bowel and bladder. And it was those clinics that then tested me after I became on my own, because I went to the doctors. I said, I want this dealt with, I want help. And then they sent me to the uh, spine clinic and I now have a wonderful uh continence clinic nurse she is no she's she's i've, I've got to commend her debbie it's, you just don't you really are standing in your truth today the I, continence I don't care clinic i love you i used to be so i love you everything everything that i had become everything that i had lost i was scared of the future i was I was a bloody mess, Val. And now, I'm not ashamed of who I am. I love it. Yes. You're standing in your truth. I've got a mental health disorder. Which I've got to come on to. Bang on in there. Just stick a pin in that. Just stick a pin in there. I'm still me. Yep, stick a pin. Because... In in here, I'm still Kez. In here, I'm still Trinity. No one's going to deny you that. The question I wanted to ask you earlier is, even though you're renovated and you're finding things to do, this is something that I've found a lot of people, especially through COVID, they it's having the strength with their disabilities to find things to do. Not everybody. You've got those who are still bedridden and don't do anything. But the people I've come across so far, like Bonnie, who I interviewed the other day, the inspiration of knowing that your well-being has been compromised. Your well-being was compromised. Now, before you had the, the, the accident, you had no anxiety, no panic attacks, no PTSD, nothing. You were on top of the world. Yeah, the only anxiety I would have is before I go on stage. Oh, people, people yeah. People always thought that I was... I'd like to think that's normal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every, every set for the past 20 years, I think I have vomited half an hour before everyone. I hope I, no one's having lunch while they're watching this. I'm so sorry. 
But it's true. You know, when I get up on stage and everybody thinks, oh, look, she's all smiles. She's all like, yeah, she's going to give it some. Yeah. It's it's a... I think that any, any DJ, any singer, any artist who doesn't have nerves... And I'm talking about from the stereophonics to the Patti the Bells of this world. Yeah. Um, I know with practice, you it becomes like second nature. They say like, if you're driving a car, you're getting to the car. You don't actually go, well, how do I turn the engine on? Because it becomes second nature, doesn't it? Yes. And so you, exactly. So it's part of me even yeah. blinking your eyes. So what I'm yeah. saying to you is this: is Anyone that doesn't have that form of anxiety and nerves um, is, is too overconfident. Now, yeah. you know, when I was speaking to um, uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful man, MC Spee, who suffers in the music oh. industry. Isn't he just a don, isn't he? He's just and lovely. Absolutely. And he, um, your picture's gone off the screen, and he pretty much pretty much said you know it took him 45 minutes where he just had to psych himself up to yeah. get on the stage it was just a lot and so i get the anxiety but apart from that you didn't suffer with anything like that no nope. until you had the accident now with yeah. the accident on top of all of that you still dj'd i I didn't for a while, but then we decided to start putting on an event. We, uh, this is myself and my ex-partner, um, putting on a, a drum and bass event. I had changed completely from dance music, trance, techno, all that kind of thing. And then I'd, we'd moved to breaks and drum and bass and Fractal was born. Um, it was a once a month in Aberystwyth, our local town, and do you know what? It did it did okay. What the whole ideal behind it was to get in some of the the higher name people that I knew, we knew, and that we could book and add them to lesser known people so that we could we could build up and give them some confidence and give them somewhere to play from and you know because like you said wales is we have pockets that's right you know? that's but right. most of our our country is beautiful countryside that's right you know my view here i'm extremely lucky in that it is green and okay <laughs> is, the sky I, is gray. i think anyone that sees where she lives it is greener than green it's, it's green. You're in the We're middle of green. nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like people, people have said to me, "Why, why do you live there? If you're, if you've been a DJ and you've you've played all over the place, why do you live there?" And my answer is exactly because of that. I I've lived in different cities. I've lived. In but what has that got to do with them? That's your solace. That's this is, that's this what you want. My, it's. The, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think people's idealistic ideas of idealistic ideas, idealist ways of thinking that if you're a singer or an actor or something, you're supposed to be living in a mansion. 
yeah. know, I truly believe that, you know, uh, people who show or wear their wares of what they have or they perceive to have, yeah, they don't actually have that. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying to you? Yeah. And nobody knows how they went about getting it. They oh, they yeah. just see the facade oh, I, yeah, that is put outside. So yeah. I'm going to drag this back in because I don't want to drag on to, you know, I, I want us to make sure we stay within the hour of this show, which is you've, how have you coped with your PTSD? You've got the anxiety. Um, you're still DJing. Now, even, okay. even through COVID, which has just got even worse, how are you coping? Well, once I'd then uh, uh, part ways with uh, the chap I was with at the time, um, I suddenly realised that there was there was something wrong here. Um, the one day I was just laying there and realised this this isn't right. My my head is not right. Um, I went to the doctors, I explained what was going on, um, I had, ooh, <laughs> I basically demanded help so that I didn't have to take any more medication. I refused, they, they offered me three different types of antidepressants or Oh, whatever nasty ass tablets they Why were. Why do they always think that's the answer? This is it, and that's what annoys me. They so, think that that's the answer. Yeah, and it's it's not. That is really not the answer at all. Because there's what natural ways it? of dealing with depression and anxiety. Uh, yeah, there and is. do you know what I mean? And panic attacks. But they yeah. they some doctors are so lazy. And I'm yeah. sorry, you know, I have to call you guys out standing in my truth, you know, yeah. when I, because I've been through a grieving process, so not to take away anything, I'm just saying I have been in that. You the reason why I can yeah. discuss this you subject is because, exactly. Every individual, there is a different process. Absolutely. And I believe that any of the techniques that you are taught obviously have to be individual to yourself. But you can transpire those to help other people. Music, for me. So I was then sent to um, a psychology unit. Um, I felt a bit, oh, look, she's going to a shrink. Uh, so the first two, I didn't, I didn't click with. We didn't, we didn't get on. I was. And I'm allowed to say that I was truthful. So I'd spoken to them both and they said, hold on a minute. Huh. So uh, lucky for me, along came their boss who decided to take on my challenge. And here you are. Three and a half years I was with her. And, you know, we I had to be tested. I had to have all these questionnaires and everything else and then you have a starting grade and then you see how your progress goes over the three and a half years she diagnosed me with ptsd to be quite honest when she first said that to me i know this is wrong now but i laughed i laughed and i laughed in her face why and then, was oh, that just was that was that a nervous laugh 
Or no, was that... I said, don't be so bloody stupid. I haven't got PTSD. <laughs> That's what affects, you know, armed forces and the poor people who, who have done their jobs and that's who it affects and what i actually found out was that's so wrong it's 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 all about the mind and apparently ptsd is something that affects the strong minded oh amen the strong I mean, look at the wills come and on the come on you've got people that are in the army they pick up a gun to shoot and kill other human beings, even though they are the most yeah. pacified people. But yeah. they're fighting for their country and so, they've had to suppress all their feelings. So yeah, could you imagine when they come back, it is like... So anybody who is so strong-willed and has had a near-death experience or post-traumatic stress disorder... Now, the disorder means that you have had it for more than three years. Oh, obviously. So, PTS is something that you have from zero to three. Yeah. That's right. PTSD. So, for me, what that entails is I have nightmares of drowning. I wake up drowning and my throat is gargling. I can see all the bubbles. That's, hold on, that's just triggered me. I just, one sec. Breathe. Breathe. Your brain becomes a detriment to your body because you refuse to show any emotion, because you fake the emotions, it comes out in your body. Your brain forces it through your body. So It's called survival mode. Yeah. That's what it's called. It it closes up your throat, your chest. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I was having asthma attacks. No, you were having a panic attack. Full panic attacks, making me nauseous. My mouth runs just as it is then. But I've learned, like yesterday, after speaking to you, it was, my head was, I was hanging over over a thing like this going, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. Oh, this isn't good. But then but once you got it out, once out. you faced your truth, did you not did you feel not the weight that, that came from here? And it just and literally just, it, it's going to take a few days. I mean, but that was yesterday. Today, how do you feel? Today, I've actually woken up and, like, I messaged you saying, like, I've not slept much. Um, I'm a bit tired, but... Do you know what? Get it out, man. Yes. Like, this yes. Look, I have to... Here's, here's my truth. My name is Kez. The irony is I have CES. Kez has Kes. You know? Ugh. I have quadriquina syndrome. I have PTSD. I am still a DJ. I am now a producer. And I can still carry on. I do have bad days. I do spend a lot of time bed bound. But I'm, I am in one of the most fortunate positions that since I moved here with my best friend. And if it wasn't for... Yeah. Oh, John, 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 oh, John
Jay. Keep an eye out for Sorry. this guy. Yeah. He's yeah. going to go well. Yeah. Um, and again, if it wasn't for my mum, my dad, uh, uh, what, what? Friend, what, what? my friends like Martha, Vicky, Fee, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to do this stuff. They are the ones that have, and you, you know, yeah, your mind, yeah come on, the amount that's me just saying, go on, girl, just release that tune, will you? And I, I read it going, okay. Uh, yeah, because what the public don't that? know is that while she's been in bed, she's grabbed her laptop and started yep. to produce. She yep. sent me the track and she said, um, I'm trying, it's like I could read it through the text. It was like, I'm trying to do this track. And it's like my first thing, what should I do? So I went, hold on a second. So I listened and I was, hold on, let me show you. Oh no, you're not going to play it. No, I'm going to be like. Oh yeah. I was skanking. And I tried to skank through the phone at her, but I couldn't. I literally left it playing and I sent you a message and I said, badass tune. I was like, oh my God, are you sitting on this tune? And, you know, she has now gone on and she's producing in her sick bed. And she's yeah. done her fourth one. And she's going, I'm going to really, yeah. shut up, Kez, just release the damn tune. <laughs> That's what I said. And I did. And... So I released it to YouTube and SoundCloud because SoundCloud has all my DJ mixes, which is everything from trance breaks to drum and bass. But this first track that I released was, the reason it was called Pain In My Game is that at the time, oh God, you're going to pee. I have two slip discs. I hope nobody is eating food. <laughs> I had two... I sound like Rusty Lee, sorry. So two slip discs created a cross between drum and bass and orchestra, a track that was called The Pain In My Game. Game. Right, I'll tell you what, stop right there, because we're coming to the end of this show. I need you to toddle over... Sorry, pardon the pun. I want you to toddle over... And quickly play that with you're gonna. I want you to play us out today. Okay. Um, I know it's gonna take a while. while so I know you just take your time. Walk over while I'm still talking. Do you know what I mean? What There's I'm one gonna thing do you, is sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna put technomatic perseverance on. Yeah. And I might I might be able to mix one tune today. Just give me one or two tunes. That's enough. We don't need. I just need you to play us out while Kez is walking over everybody. Let me just say, there was something that she mentioned to me. Go on, go, 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 while I'm, yeah, while I'm talking. There was something that you mentioned, which was where you've had a lot of, back, not backlash, but you've not had really great feedback from people. You're a very, you, you know, you're out there, you help a lot of people. And she said to me that it was disturbing that people watch her live. It was disturbing that they didn't have anything good to say. They always had, um, I don't want to use the word jealousy, but they had, it, it's, I think a lot of people get that. And the only advice or things I can say to her is this, use the negative 
words. Use the negative attitude that you get from people and turn it into a positive. Use the negative vibes and inspire yourself to be the best you. And here she goes. Everybody. As you can see, she's... I, 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 I'm sorry, I had to let her play too. So this is DJ Trinity from Wavelength Promotions playing us out. Thank you to anyone that has watched us today. Um, I have no idea why I'm shouting. But thank you for everybody. This was our first, first actual live. Most of our shows are pre-recorded. Um, and I hope you do like it. And watch out for next week. We've got tremendous guests coming in next week. We've got from CKP. We've got Joe Hunt coming on in a few weeks' time. I've got a couple of guys coming on the sports show. Tomorrow's show is the sports edition. Um, I hate camera lights because it makes me bloody sweat. <laughs> but... Um, here she goes. Tomorrow on the Sports Edition show, I have none other than boxing coach from Dynamics MBE. Did I say that? They're an MBE. They had an MBE, Richard Davis, who's going to be joining us live at midday tomorrow here on Standing in My True Sports Edition. Check out. Hey. everybody see you tomorrow why am i shouting i think because i can hear the music thanks guys i've broken a sweat i was dancing <laughs> love, you, love you too stay safe stay shielded and thank Thanks, you for being that's okay thank you it's for being on here Thank you for being on Standing in My Truth. Thank you. And have a wonderful weekend, everybody out there. We'll catch you next week.